What do you need to talk about, Maggie? The meeting tonight. Maggie, if we could talk I about I want to the... talk to everyone about what happened and what we need to do about it. If it includes sending Rick away, it's not going to work. Tell me what that means. You let Rick in. You let all of us in. You talked to us. You decided. And now you want to put that decision on a group of very frightened people who might not have the whole story. It's not leadership. Well, tonight is it's just a forum. It's just for people to say their piece. And I'll make the decision as I've done since the beginning. He was frustrated. The things he's seen, the things he's lost, the things we have all lost. The things you've lost. We've lost so much more. Rick took a gun and he pointed it at people. He didn't pull the trigger. That's a metric? That he didn't pull the trigger? Yes. No. Michonne stopped him, Deanna. Michonne did. I'm going to do what I have to do, Maggie. This week on the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 16, Conquer, written by Scott M. Gimple and Seth Hoffman and directed by Greg Nicotero. We'll be right back after this. Back to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, TV editor of SoundonSight.org, and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host, editor in chief, general editor, general editor, Mr. Ricky D. Ricky, how's it going? I'm good. Now, here's the thing: I don't know if we're going to be doing a, a podcast and a show called Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> is that where we're saying, starting? Yeah. I'm just saying. Okay, everyone is complaining about the title with reason. It's ridiculous like clearly they think that the majority of their fan base are morons that they need to have the walking dead in the title so a lot of people have asked are you guys going to do a podcast on the walking dead spinoff show and i'm like you know i kind of do <laughs> i'm like with the title like there's no way our podcast is going to be called fear of the walking dead walking dead podcast <laughs> Well, I can tell you this. I will not be doing a Fear the Walking Dead uh, podcast because I don't have the time. I wish I did. But between this and uh, my weekly Televerse podcast and the Hannibal podcast that's going to be going for much of the summer, uh, June, July, and August, and then Walking Dead starting back up again, like I already am going to have two episode, two podcasts to record every week without the Fear the Walking Dead uh, podcast. Though I am very interested in it because of its cast. Well, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, why don't we just talk about Fear of the Walking Dead on the Walking Dead podcast? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure when it's going to air. Like, is it, I, maybe I'm assuming it's going to happen when the Walking Dead isn't actually airing on TV. Mm -hmm. That's what I that's what I would expect. Oh, OK. No, because that would be like a, a year long full time gig every single week. No vacation. No dice. No, none of that. Um, we're talking, we're sitting here talking about Fear the Walking Dead, when what I should be doing is introducing our wonderful guest, uh, Blast from the Past, friend of the show, Mr. Josh Moakley. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hello. And uh, do you have any thoughts on Fear the Walking Dead at this point? I mean, I saw that title and, and um, 
and and my office my my reaction was similar to Ricky's in in the sense that I already knew that they thought that most of their fans were idiots. Um, there's <laughs> oh. now they've said it. Yeah, yeah, they've said it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's um, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I think the fact that the show is even happening is really cool because as as someone who was a fan of the comic for a long time before the show existed. It's cool that in as much as the show takes some interesting liberties with the source material, it's nice to have something that like, I'm not sitting there and kind of spoiling myself because, because it's, 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 so I, there's a group that I watch the walking dead with every week, including my wife. And I've, I've really been pissing her off lately because I'd be watching something and I was like, Oh, they're doing this or, Oh, they're doing this. So it's kind of, I think she will appreciate the fact that I will no longer have the ability to do that. Now, as I understand, this is going to be a bit of a prequel. And uh, is is that era of like the Walking Dead universe, is that covered in the comics at all or no? Will this be completely original? Totally new, totally original. Robert Kirkman has avoided um, very, very on principle revealing the origins of the plague and and how it really started. and and the show is kind of really going to be wading into into new territory, which is which is exciting. Well, and it's not a prequel. It starts off as sort of like a prequel where it takes place before the zombie apocalypse hits, like before the zombie outbreak. But then, from my understanding, it fast forwards into the future and takes place around the same time as where we are right now at The Walking Dead. Okay, yeah. Well, and even just being in such a different part of the United States. I mean, just as a someone who enjoyed reading World War Z, I think there's a lot of interesting thing that, things that could come into play just based on we know what the world is like by Rick, but Rick and his group haven't really left like a, a one to two state margin. Um, so who knows what the rest of the world is like? So even just having a geographical difference could, would be interesting on its own um its own merits, but uh, I mean, we've asked on the show for flashbacks to get to see these characters before everything to get a better sense of them and their progression and how the zombie apocalypse has shaped them. So who knows? Maybe it'll wind up being a good thing to get a better image of them pre and then post. For any new listeners, um, th- throughout the years podcasting on reviewing this uh, TV show, quite often we will have we have basically a wish list, right? So each and every single week, we're like, this is what we want to see in The Walking Dead. And usually our wish list comes true. You say our, Ricky's okay, my, wish list yeah. comes true. I have a, like a zero. <laughs> I don't even try anymore, but Ricky always gets his requests. Yeah. Well, way back in like season two, I was talking about how cool it would be if we could see a bunch of people in like a, in a different country or in a different city. And uh, it would be just awesome, especially if it took place in like Europe or something, but not just to focus on atlanta or washington or what have you like a different part of the united states and now they've decided to do a spin-off show which takes place in los angeles and uh once again in this episode which we're going to talk about very shortly they actually do a few things that i requested so basically what i'm trying to say is if you are working for the walking dead and you do listen to our podcast thank you very much for incorporating all of my wishes into the tv show well and right in <laughs> we'd like to interview you <laughs> I, think well, I don't know. Would. The last time a director wrote in, he was really pissed off at me. Well, you know. <laughs> what did you do? Gave <laughs> a really negative review of one episode. One. <laughs> one episode that I still think 
it's a bad episode. But anyways. Speaking of one episode, why don't we focus on this one episode that we're actually supposed to be talking about and have barely mentioned, and that's Conquer, which is the season finale of season six, episode 16, written by Scott M. Gimple and Seth Hoffman, directed by Greg Nicotero. Um, let's go to you first, Josh. Uh, for me, watching this this episode, um, I, I was, you know, when it got extended out to 90 minutes... Uh, that was the that was a new thing for the show. As I at least I'm unless I'm forgetting something, that's the first time they've ever done that. Do you feel like this episode earned its extra thirty minutes? I think so. Um, and 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 really, I think they could have given it another thirty minutes. I, I really think this could have this could have gone to two hours and really let some of the stuff stretch out. But I really I feel like they made they made very good use of the extra time. Um, and and I really think they set because because a lot of a lot of this season has been kind of, you know, cleaning up the mess from earlier in the season and from last season. Um, and they really and in this episode, more than any other episode, they really set the table very well for the future. So I, I'm glad that they kind of and, and I think you're right for the first time in in the sequence of the show, um, giving them the time to really to really do that. Interesting. Uh, Ricky, what do you think? I think that this is actually the second best episode of the series so far. And I, I mean, I'm thinking about the episode clear, which I think was amazing, but I think the pilot remains the best episode of the series yet. I thought this episode was amazing. And there are a few things which I don't like about this specific episode, but when you look at it and reflect back on the season as a whole, I think it did everything it needed to do and more. And it's funny because you, you mentioned the, the the running time of this episode, and I'm thinking back to the original, the very first episode, the pilot. And if I'm not mistaken, the pilot was about an hour and 45 minutes long, maybe a little bit less because of commercial breaks. And so I'm thinking, like, maybe they should actually have at, at least one episode per season where they stretch it, where they actually give us an hour and a half and or two hours because they seem to be really good at giving us these longer episodes. Um, I thought this was one of the most tense episodes. I went in thinking they would kill a major character. Last week, I talked about how I thought they were going to kill off Glenn, which almost happened. So, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Glenn on the TV show, more so on the comic book, but I do like the actor. I do still like the character to some degree. But I thought for sure they were going to kill Glenn. So I was a little shocked they didn't kill Glenn. But I think it found plenty of ways to surprise viewers and even those of us who have read the comic book. And, um, you know, when you think back at, say, the season four, season three, even season two finale, there's always like this big action set piece. A major character usually dies. No major character died in this episode. There was a lot of action, but we didn't have like a tank rolling into town. We didn't have like a grenade launcher, you know. Um, and I also like the the fact that they have basically three major storylines running here. We got Aaron, Darrow, and of course Morgan, and then we we have Rick Grimes and all the people in Alexandria, and we have Glenn and Nicholas, and even to some degree Sasha and Gabriel. So you have like actually four storylines, and I think the reason why this episode works so well is there's anyone we have to credit. I mean, we can praise the direction and the writing and the acting and the cinematography and the music like we do every single week. But I think it all comes down to the editing. I thought this was one of the best edited episodes of The Walking Dead, and I love the pacing from start to finish. And I think that's why it works. A lot of overlapping dialogue, 
incorporating dialogue from previous episodes, overlapping scenes, the transitions. It was just pitch perfect, the editing. I agree. The editing was very strong. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely like this the least of the three of us. Um, yeah, I, I would not call this one of the best episodes of the series. Um, I don't think it's bad. I think it's good. Uh, but I, and, and maybe some of this is the baggage that I'm bringing into this episode. Um, I do think it absolutely earns its 90-minute runtime. I think they definitely needed that extra time. But the, I think the reason that they needed that extra time is because this is in the season finale. And I don't need people to die for it to be a season finale. I don't need a giant set piece for this to be a season finale. But there is no closure. There is no culmination. It's it's like they got to the end of the season and realized that they had either introduced Alexandria too early or too late. And so there was not time to really fully bring the Alexandria subplot or where they were with that, everything they'd introduced to any sort of a pause point. Um, and so instead they were gonna do, do this, but, um, looking at the context of the season and looking at this episode, which again, I did very much enjoy, just, it really doesn't feel, it's like it starts to become a season finale and then isn't one, uh, with how the storylines resolve. And I'm going to ask you guys what you think about all that, but, um, I really wish they would have just cut the hospital stuff. You know, like, get get the, the Daryl and Carol episode. Like, they're looking for Beth. Maybe they find her. Maybe they don't. Whatever. Cut out that whole hospital storyline and got had them get to Alexandria at the midway point of the season and then taken a whole half season to really explore Alexandria. The way they introduced the wolves here after all of these, uh, the T's with the W's and, and everything, I feel like that's, okay, you've introduced them. Now let's actually bring that to a head in the season finale. But... It, they don't. Or with Morgan, they teased him at the beginning of the season, and then what we get with him here, that feels like that's the beginning of something. That's not a season finale for me. And even just what they the beat with um, with Gabriel, again, that felt, it felt half, half-baked to me. I, it just sort of comes out of nowhere, and uh, it's you know his arc was dropped and then picked up again here in these last couple episodes, but again, it just it wasn't a satisfying culmination for me, and I think they needed just a couple more episodes with this mini arc to really, and, and I guess I would agree with you, Josh, another half hour, but I wouldn't say that this episode needed a half hour. I would say they needed another episode or two to really bring all of these arcs to a satisfying season finale. I, so I both, I both agree and disagree with both of you on different things. That's the um, best. The first, <laughs> the first thing, the first thing I'll say is I think that Reg, which is um, Deanna's husband who dies in this episode, was secretly one of the most important characters of the last couple, like the, really the final arc of the season, um, because he really, in, a, in, in so many ways, represented everything that Alexandria was. Their, it, it represented their hope. He represented their safety and the fact that he oversaw the building of the walls. Um, no one else knows how to, how to put those things back up if they fall now, and that's really important. Um, and, and it's really the point where the, the, the character that was lost in this episode was really, um, Alexandria's hope and Alexandria's safety. And you saw in the last couple seconds of, of the season that Deanna just, she takes a turn and she gives up and she says, you know, you people are right. We have no idea what we're doing. And, and, and everything that has come before now can't work anymore, um, and things need to change. So it's 
while while a, a major you know title credits character didn't die this episode, I would say that a very large theme that had been taken up the latter half of the season um, really went away with in a very permanent way. Um, and I and I think that's really interesting in the when we see the ripples of that. Um, now, I, I the, the part that I agree with is um, it was a weird it was a weird place to end the season. Um, it really felt like, like an ellipsis instead of a period. Um, and, and it, I, I could have done with, you know, ten, even 10 more minutes to start seeing some of those ripples, um, from, from the death of Reg and the death of Pete, um, to, to start seeing, to have, to set kind of setting, to use the setting the table metaphor to death. Um, I, I feel like they, they got close to saying what they wanted to say, but they didn't quite say it yet. And they're kind of leaving it to the, to, to next season to really pick up the pieces of that. And I also agree. The stuff with the hospital was just weird. Uh, but so you want, did you want like a, like close season? And then instead of the tag being Michonne have like a, you know, six months later kind of thing and see where they're at. Would that have satisfied you? Something like that, or at least, or at least seeing more of the characters than just Michonne. Although I actually really liked the the slug with Michonne at the end, where she where she takes the sword down, like it's saying, like you know, we had our peace and and we tried, um, but it didn't work. That that isn't the world we live in, and and really just ending with Michonne kind of giving up a little bit of her idealism that's really taken her through the last couple episodes, and then cutting immediately to you know wolves not far. Um, I think that I think that was really strong, um, but but kind of my my blessing and my my curse is that um, having read the comics and knowing I think where they want to go, um, it'll be interesting to see how they get there with the characters and situations that they have in the show right now. Um, and because I forgot to say it at the top, and then Ricky, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Um, there will be no spoilers for anybody listening who just hasn't listened to the show before. We will have no spoilers from the future of the comics. We will only talk about things that have already happened on the show. Yes. And will have already happened in the comics. No fear yes. of spoilers. Okay, Ricky, thoughts? To the point where I have to play dumb each and every single week. Like, like for the past few weeks, I've been sort of like throwing out this theory that the W can actually be, be an M, which would stand for Morgan, but I already knew of the Wolves. You know what I mean? Like, but that I was an intentional of... mislead, right? Right. Well, you know, it could have been. I mean, they do change things in the comic book, but I have to kind of come up with these ideas and these things I can say on the podcast so I don't say, perhaps, spoil unintentionally something like uh, for someone who hasn't read the comic book. But anyways... What's interesting about what Josh says is I kind of agree, and I understand what Kate's trying to say, but I disagree that there was a better way to end this season. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you look at the season as a whole and not this one episode as an episode, I think this was the best thing they could have done, and they did it. Now, yes, I think, Kate, the storyline with Alexandria, it didn't come too early. It came too late, Okay. I think they could have easily have scripted and directed and produced an extra three to four episodes to flesh out these characters and the themes and have us as viewers get to know an important character like Reg, like Pete, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought that would have led to a more satisfying season finale, no doubt. Unfortunately, the show only has about 15, 16 episodes per season, and they started this specific storyline too late. But the thing is, 
I think that it ended well because basically as soon as they get to Alexandria, it's basically what they've wanted and hoped for and have looked for for the past five seasons, a new home. It's all about finding a new home. They found their new home. They have it. It has electricity. It has walls. It has nice people. It has babies and dogs and and a kitchen and cookies, everything you can possibly want. But now it's a, it, it's a question of how will they adapt to Alexandria? Will they become like the governor and the governor's people? How will they hold on to, to their humanity and what makes them them and what makes them good and different from the villains that we've seen in the past? And here in this episode, we have the story arc with Gabriel and Sasha. And then we have, to, to some degree, with Michonne in the post-credit sequence, we have Aaron and uh, Daryl out in the woods, and they do run into uh, Morgan, which we're going to have to talk about very soon. We do have Rick versus Pete and Deanna and Reg. Like, you know what I mean? Like, And it's like, we already knew that there was going to be tension between Rick and Pete, and that got resolved really fast. I'm actually surprised it was resolved really fast, but it is resolved. And um, in terms of, like... Moving forward, I mean, Josh is right. Like, Reg is the one that built the community. He built the walls. He was the architect. Now that he's gone and now that the doctor is gone, the two most important people who are part of that community, regardless if you like them or not, of the people from Alexandria, put aside Deanna because she's technically just a politician. They are the two most important people, and they are both dead now. And at this point in time, honestly, Rick Grimes and his group have taken full control. They have taken full control of Alexandria, and that to me is a brand new start. And that to me is a brand new start of a new season, which is what they're, which is what they have to do come season six. So what else are you going to do? You have like to me, they maybe it was too convenient the way they nicely tied up all of these storylines, but they did everything that was built up. All these little storylines, all these characters, everything was tied up nicely with a bow. Maybe perhaps a little too convenient, a little too nice. But at least they ended all of these storylines so they can move forward. I think with the wolves, yeah, they've teased the wolves. And we do get the, the, the introduction of one of the members of the wolves in the cold opening, which, by the way, was freaking amazing. Reminded me of Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man, one of my 10 favorite movies of all time. Um, but it's just a tease. It's just an introduction. And how is it any different than the end of last season when they get to Terminus and that's it? You know, they arrive at Terminus and all of a sudden they're they're captive and then... We have to wait a year to see what happens to them. And the Terminus storyline ended within like two episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Well, so. it's different because they had spent the entire season trying to find each other again. And so in that finale, you had the group coming back together as well. So it wasn't just getting to mm -hmm. Terminus. It was also the reunion of Glenn and Maggie and, and many other, you know, in the in that episode, those last two episodes. So so the, the season-long arc of... Um, Glenn's alive, I'm going to find him, and these other, you know, Sasha and Tyrese and all of that, that has a sense of closure there. in the finale. So that's how I would say it's different than, than last season's finale. And and you guys are talking about Reg, and I absolutely, like, I logically and uh, I understand from a structural point of view of Alexandria and uh, of how it functions and thinking about the breakdown of the town, I understand uh intellectually the importance of reg but i did not care that he got killed i did not have an emotional connection to that character the way that i think i was supposed to have had um and i another episode getting to know the, the community i mean the only people in that community we have any sense of as far as i'm concerned uh is deanna and uh, uh jesse and sam 
Sam, like that family, that nuclear family of Jesse, Sam, and Pete, and Deanna, and I guess we don't like Nicholas. And that's it. And so that's five this, characters. Okay, I don't know how much we got. We we like. I guess we can call Sam a character. He's not even in this finale, but we we like Sam, and we get some really nice stuff with him and Carol. But Jesse is there to be pretty and have Rick uh, hit on her, and uh, Pete is there to be drunk and cause a problem. We don't know who he is as a person. We don't know what drives him at all. And Reg, we got a nice scene with him and Noah before they killed off Noah, and now. They they killed off Reg. I really would have liked to get to know more people in this. Like, we I guess we got that one scene with the foreman here. But when we're having a, a big scene around a campfire, we have different members of the community saying things. I feel like if they really want that scene to be meaningful or to to have have weight, we need to care about the people who are talking. And we care about Rick's crew. But when we're watching Rick's crew kind of end up taking over. If, again, if, they, if that's supposed to really land, I want there to be some level of doubt. But what we're seeing uh, in this episode, in, in these last stretch of episodes, is that we really like everybody in Rick's gr- crew. And we don't really see a problem with anybody in Rick's crew, except for maybe Rick going a little onto the governor side of things. But Michonne seems fine. Maggie seems fine. Glenn has been fantastic. Um, Daryl's fine. Like... The whole, all of Red, everybody in Rick's crew, it seems like it's a good thing if they take over. There's no question mark in my head. And I feel like if they're, that's sort of like this push and pull. Are they going to infect Alexandria with the outside world or are they going to save Alexandria? Um, I feel like there needs to be more question. And right now there's not. Can I just cut in for two quick seconds? I want to know, are we reviewing the season as a whole or the episode? <laughs> Both. Because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like their little rant is really about the problems of specifically the second half of this season. And I totally agree. I would like to know who these characters are more. I don't think in this season finale, the writer, director, or anyone affiliated with making this TV show actually cared if viewers were emotionally invested in reg and if they actually felt devastated when he died that wasn't the point the point was to kill him so rick and kill pete yeah but that's bad writing well but that's how to some degree that's how it is in a comic book and that's what the second half of the season has been leading to it's about rick crossing that line rick pulls the trigger glenn doesn't pull the trigger michonne only picks up her sword towards the end of the episode um and um and sasha doesn't pull the trigger yeah, but Reg dies in an emotional moment, and it's going to spark everything to come. If I don't care as a viewer, the writers and the directors and the actors have screwed up. Uh, frankly, um, I mean, Ricky's right. It's almost it's almost actually image for image the way it happened in the comic, because it's really the point. The point is to get Rick to Rick killing killing Pete. But something that that I found really interesting, and, and this is actually a difference from the comic is did you guys notice what Pete killed Reg with? The Michonne sword. Right. That she had left on the sword that she had left on the wall. Right. That's definitely you gotta believe that's something that she's gonna carry. And that's part of why she doesn't put it back up there, I think. It's possible. It could also be just her acknowledging that this ideal world where she doesn't need it doesn't exist. And 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 I as much as I did like that tag, I absolutely agree. I think it works well. I don't know that I like this, and again, for me, this goes, and I'm sorry, Ricky, but this goes to a larger pacing issue with the whole season. I don't know um, how many more times I can have them, have Michonne put down the sword, and then get the sword, or lose the sword, and then get the sword back in a couple episodes, then a couple episodes later, she doesn't need, like, 
Whoa. She, that's been a beat that's happened a couple times. What I'm saying is I need more time in between when she puts the sword up on the wall and when she decides she has to take it back down. If her taking it back down is supposed to be a very powerful moment, she I think it needs to have been on the wall more than two episodes. Okay. First of all, it's the only time she's actually ever put the sword down for a long extended period of time. She I, lost the sword. There's a difference between losing a sword and actually putting the sword on a wall. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but she said she didn't need it. We had that great scene with her and Rick when they were pushing up those, like, carts, right, where they were talking about it. She said she didn't need it. Yeah, okay, but she, of course, continued to carry the sword because it was it was the best weapon that she can use in terms of self-defense because she was best at using a sword as opposed to a gun, and a gun makes noise and attracts walkers. And, of mm -hmm. course, they were back on the road, so it's practical and smart and the obvious choice for her to pick up the sword once again because she's forced into a situation where they are on the road. Um, but don't but we get a thematic underscoring of her character journey back and forth and back and forth is what I'm saying. Okay, but I, I don't think there's as much repetition with the character of Michonne as you're saying or stating as, for example, compared to contrast contrast it with Rick Grimes, which is rinse and repeat over and over. Rick Grimes going through this like existential kind of like chaotic, uh, crazy sort of like. Uh, emotional breakdown every like half season, right? I but the don't thing, disagree. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, is I did not know that they had a post-credit stinger because I PVR'd it because I was watching WrestleMania, right? Mm -hmm. And so I watched The Walking Dead later on, and my PVR cut the episode as soon as Morgan sees Rick shoot Pete. I didn't even know that there was a sequence in which Michonne takes the sword from from the wall, right? I think that's a huge mistake. That's a huge moment for Michonne. Why would you put it in a stinger? That should actually be within the episode or within, or maybe in the next episode. That was very strange that they put that specific scene in the stinger because she is a major character in her show. And in my opinion, along with Carol, who we have to also talk about eventually, we have a lot to talk about today. And Daryl, those are the three best characters, you know? So I don't know what they're thinking. I'm totally good with it, Josh. I think I think it's the perfect place to put it. I think it's the perfect place to put it, too, because it's it's funny that you bring up at the beginning of the season where she says, oh, I don't need the sword. It's really easy to say you don't need something when you don't have it. Um, and, and she still, like, had the sword that she made out of wood, so clearly there was some kind of connection there. And I would say that the character that has the most complete story in this season is Michonne. Because I think when she's separated from her sword for the first time, yes, it's forceful, but it starts, it's, it's, it's kind of the first point that she sees her life without it. Um, and, and I think, I think when she says she doesn't need it at the beginning of the season, it's wishful thinking. And when she finally puts it up on the wall later in the season, she actually believes it. And then by pulling it off of the wall, that is really, so a lot of, a lot of the season has been, if anything could be said to ebb and flow in this season, I think it's this idea of hope and, and specifically specifically personified by Michonne, but you know, they had the, like the, the, the season started really at this season started really at the lowest point or one of the lowest points that they've ever been in this series. Um, they're trapped in terminus. They're, they're, you know, seconds away. Like, like the, the penguin just got his, his skull beaten in and throat slit. <laughs> and, 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 and really I would say that this season started at the lowest point And then it was, 
it was up and down. So it was, they get out of Terminus and they find a church and they find a priest. And, oh, like, priests are universal signs of, of, of the world as it was. And then the priest turns into a bastard that let a lot, a lot of people die. So then it goes back down again. And then they end up at a hospital. And the, the symbolism of a hospital is really, really important. It, 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 it's signifying that, oh, maybe the world can go back together because there are still hospitals and hospitals mean safety. And then the hospitals are run by crazy cops and Beth gets shot in the head and then it goes back down again. And then they find this community and it's, and it's really, it's, it's just, it's an ebb and flow of, of hope and, and of hope. And then the shattering of the hope. And then it sort of gets to the end of the season. And at that point, like, yeah, Reg dies, like the doctor dies, the architect dies. Um, and, and, and you almost don't even feel it because as viewers, you're emotionally numb as characters, they're emotionally numb. And it gets to the point where Michonne's just like, you know what, that's it. Like, but, but it, it's also about acceptance. It's like, it's, it has been yeah. a major theme of the season has been hope, but it's also about these people coming to realistic terms that the world is not what it was and will never be what it was because you mentioned the hospital and you mentioned, uh, before the hospital was, uh, the church. Yeah. But then what happens after the hospital? Tyrese dies. Where does he die? He dies in the suburbs, in a house mm. with a white mm. picket fence. And mm. then they finally get to the safe haven, uh, you know, Alexandria. And that's the thing. That's what I mean. That's why, to me, this is a perfect way to end the season. Because, to me, everything that the season has been addressing and all of these major themes and subplots and things the characters have been fighting with, like these internal demons, all comes out in this episode and everything's... Everything's to some degree wrapped up, um, and that's what I mean. If it's not Gabriel finally admitting that he's the reason why all of the people, all of, all of the members at his church died, then it's Rick Grimes finally crossing a line and shooting someone straight up in cold blood and deciding that he's just going to take over like the governor did, and or it's Michonne finally deciding that she can't put her sword down because this unrealistic vision of some sort of community that would resemble the uh, uh, community pre-zombie apocalypse just is not happening, you know? And it could be like, I mean, like everything about this episode. I mean, even when Daryl and, and, and Aaron show up and they see the, um, the semi-trucks, yeah. yeah, well, like everything about it, like it's, it's just like, yeah, it's not about, it's not about, it's, it's about giving up on hope that the world can be what it what once was, but now it's about finding a way to make, this new world work and that goes back to what enid said last week when she was hiding out in the tree with with carl and she's like it's their world now the world belongs to the walkers we just live in their world and so that is why i'm really satisfied with the season despite a few nitpicks i do have with specific episodes and storylines and characters but I'm really looking forward to season six because something we've talked about all year long on our podcast is this show has evolved Season five looks, feels, smells nothing like season one, okay? Season one, again, would not have a house party where Abraham is drinking beer and Rick is downing shots. You know what I mean? Like, it's a completely different show. And I think the problem with this show is, again, Kate, you've mentioned it several times. I've mentioned it several times. There is a lot of characters in this TV show. You've only got roughly 45 to 48 minutes per week, 15 weeks, 16 weeks, which is still not a lot of time. I mean, it's more than what filmmakers get when they're making a two-hour film. 
But there's so many characters to flesh out, to discuss, to, to explore, to talk about. And I think that's a major problem with The Walking Dead. And that's why I'm really hopeful for season six and seven, because I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I think Alexandria is here to stay at least for the next two, three, maybe even four seasons. And despite the fact that they lost two major uh, citizens, like two very important citizens of Alexandria, the doctor and the architect, I don't think they're going anywhere. And I think that having these people in one location is going to help the writers to examine these characters, explore them, and for us as viewers to get to know them better. I mean, this is an episode where almost every single character gets at least five minutes of screen time. And granted, yeah, the episode is 30 minutes longer than normal, but still, I mean, Rosita had more dialogue in this episode than any other episode prior. And I really liked the exchange between Eugene and Abraham. I thought that was really, really cute to see the way Abraham was kind of like a little too shy to actually apologize. But he does actually apologize. And of course, Eugene is Eugene. And he's always fun to listen to with his awkward, odd, overly geeky like uh, response to everyone. Yeah, I, and I think that's the thing. I like this as an episode, but because of these other things I've already said, it doesn't feel like a finale to me. And so in that role as a finale, it's it's not very satisfying, I guess. But yeah, I, I agree. We, it's nice to touch base with all the characters. I really like um, what we get, uh, the, like the little thing we get from Carol, uh, where she's still pretending. I, I Like, that's another, I guess, when we finally get her breaking out of that and having to kick ass and all the Alexandrians being like <gasps> clutching their pearls. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and they wanted to save that moment for next year. That's fine. Um, but I did like a lot of the little beats we get throughout that are those more character moments. Um, but yeah, again, for me, this is not, this is not a season finale. And I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on some of that, Ricky. Though, again, you make excellent points. I, I do agree with you that it doesn't feel like a season finale. But given the season, what we have, I don't know what else they could have done. Because it feels like, it feels like it's like three seasons in one. Like, oh, Grace Hospital could have been at least a half season. Has could have Terminus. And has could Alexandria. Alexandria could be like three full seasons. You know what I mean? They piled all, and this is what I'm, I'm confused about. And Josh, you've read the comic book. Um, right now, we're roughly around issue number 100. They're only at issue 138 of the comic book, right? Presently, we're closer to issue. Um, we're closer to the early 70s. I think there's no one way. major arc. There's one major arc left before the arc that led to 100. So I think we're. I think rough estimate there's probably three seasons if not four until they catch up to where they are right now i think this specific episode revolves around issue number 100 specifically i think that they they basically skipped a major story arc which are probably going to bring in later on like they're not going in chronological order per se but technically where they are at right now they're roughly around 100 i think i mean how Anyway, doesn't matter. The point I'm trying to bring up is that they could have really stretched out the O'Grady Hospital storyline, the Terminus storyline, and now Alexandria. And I just thought it was kind of weird that it's all crammed into, like, one season. Well, and, and I guess my point would be, Ricky, just because um, they could have added more here or there. Um, and it, this, When you're looking at how this functions as a finale, this, is, this was written by the showrunner and directed by Greg Nicotero. 
when they're laying out their season, they know where they're going to. Yeah. The guy who wrote this episode is the guy who decided, let's have the season end here. So I do not feel bad giving him a hard time about this not feeling like a, a good pacing for the half season or the f season as a whole, because that's part of writing, too. Knowing how you're going to structure your season is part of the writing process as well. Yeah, but so, I, I just completely I, disagree with you. I think this is okay. a great finale. I, I, I think it doesn't feel like a season finale, but I think it's a great season finale regardless. I both agree and disagree only because I last <laughs> after last week's episode, I went back and I pulled out um, where I thought one of the one of the trades where I thought that they were in the comic. And the, the, the only part that disappoints me is that about a half issue after where they ended on because the final scene was really ripped directly from the pages. Panel by panel. Um, yeah. And and about half an issue after that in the comics, there's such there's a much better period like, oh yeah. There's a much better end. And I said, and I said, why are you stopping here? This like whatever. It, it's almost like they ran out of time. Yeah. It's kind of like game of Thrones. It's like the end kind of, of that reminded me about the, the thing I really wanted to be the cliffhanger for last season of game yeah. of Thrones that then didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fun. But, but uh, I mean, at, at the same time, we have to remember that a good chunk of the audience has read the comic book. So they do have to make changes. And some of the changes that they want to make is to not, have the big sort of death or action set piece or big surprise or cliffhanger on the season finale because that is what we as viewers will come to expect regardless if, we, if, if we've read the comic book or not and so i think that's why we see these changes in shows like game of thrones and walking dead because they still want to find some way to surprise viewers and if if that means giving you an episode that doesn't feel like a season finale well Maybe that's what they got to do. Well, I don't need there to be a death in the season finale. It's not something I need at all. And if you have, um, like, there's, there are elements here that I think have a lot of resonance. So even though Glenn not killing Nicholas and bringing him back to, to the city so that they can, Alexandra, so they can have the exact same fight, you know, next season, uh, I guess unless he learns his lesson, it just seems very unlikely that will happen. But, or that they can make me believe that Nicholas would learn his lesson. Um, anyways, uh, that, that choice of life over destruction and then having that paralleled with Rick's uh, choice to, to kill Pete muddied, of course, by their need to make him, you know, make him be going after Jesse. So you don't really know his motivations, which is frustrating. Um, but that par parallel, I think, um, has a nice finale kind of tinge to it. Um, but then when you also add in the, the, the um, Sasha stuff, and again, her choosing to not kill, like, there, there's stuff here that I think kind of could work, but again, I just feel like it needs more time. I do want to talk about the Sasha stuff, though, quickly, because um, the stuff we were getting with her uh, a couple episodes ago, they've really been kind of teasing out this, like, she's really screwed up thing for a while. This episode, I really liked how, you know, that, that shot of her with, you know, lying on the walkers. I really liked that. And I think they did, you know, I don't know how well served the actress has been with some of the dialogue that they've given her. They've sort of just had her have sort of a resting bitch face and be angry all the time. Um, but I thought that they did well by her here. Um, and I liked, I liked kind of how that came together, even if I didn't necessarily like how they did brought, you know, Gabriel, how they handled Gabriel the last couple episodes. Did you guys like that sequence? Yeah, I, I liked it as, as much as bizarre as I found it. I think I think it actually in my mind it kind of ties into this whole the real world doesn't exist anymore 
line because Sasha is someone who very, very deeply needs like, you know, modern psychiatry at this point. Like she's, she's going through immense stress in her life. Um, she's gone through immensely traumatic, two immensely traumatic events, basically one after the other. Um, and, and she's cracked mentally and she, she reached out to, you know, the one place of help that her mind could acknowledge and, and, and which only made it worse because that person is just as damaged as she is. And, and I think I'm curious to see what they do with Sasha next season, because, the help that she needs doesn't exist. It's kind of last season where she said to Michonne, like, you know, you can't, you can't help me. Um, it's true. Michonne can't help her. And, and, and the people that can probably don't exist. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Sasha's character to see either if she comes out of, um, you know, the PTSD she's clearly suffering from right now, or, or if, you know, they're going to let her suffer and see how far that rabbit hole goes. And just, it, it's, 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 it's brutal to think about. I, um, I think the image or the scene in which we see Sasha lying down in the grave with the walkers, I thought that was the most comforting, most peaceful, quietest moment of this episode. Uh, there was just something eerie yet beautiful about that moment. It spoke volumes about her character it uh, spelled out her fatigue, her grief, and just how she's fed up. You know, it's not just because Tyrese died and not just because Bob died, but it's also because, fuck, man, it takes a lot of energy just physically, forget about mentally, to continue to try to survive and stay alive, to stay up all night long on a watchtower, you know, trying to shoot zombies from a distance and or hacking zombies to death with a machete. I mean... Just think about it. Like, it's emotionally and physically exhausting. And um, the thing is, I will agree with you, Kate. The Gabriel scenes do not work for me in this episode. They've never worked for me. I haven't liked Gabriel since day one. I understand why they've introduced this character. Um, the problem with Gabriel is, it's, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a matter of the writing. Um, it's also a matter of the lack of writing and the lack of, stuff we've seen from Gabriel apart from just being a coward, which we've known since day one. Like, I mean, it's just like, uh, and the thing that really annoys me is that the way this episode ends, I feel like we're just going to get a lot more of Gabriel come season six. And if there's any character who they can kill off and I would not give a shit, it's Gabriel. Yeah. It feels like we're supposed to care that he's had this breakthrough, but we don't because we figured that out back in the first episode that he was in. Um, and, uh, or at least by the second. So, so, and they haven't done anything to make us be invested in him. He just keeps me, at least Eugene may be cowardly, but he's funny. So we like him, you know, like there's very little that's distinct about Gabriel other than him, you know, selling out and endangering the group several times. So he don't he doesn't need to be a heroic figure. He doesn't need to save the day, but there needs to be something that makes us invest and care about him. And um at least it's and again, there's always the difference of what is happening on the show versus what does the show want you to think? What does the show think about Gabriel versus what do we think and how is that lining up or not? Um so I don't know what the show necessarily wants us to think about Gabriel, but if they wanted us to be invested in his breakthrough, uh, that didn't happen for me. As for Sasha, I absolutely agree with both of your assessments. I mean, that's that scene, what, what was so nice about it, you said stillness and calm, Ricky. It, just, it seemed like she was finally letting herself 
do that let by letting herself lie down with those walkers it was like her admitting to herself just how screwed up she is and being okay with like acknowledging that and being okay with that and uh and letting that knowledge that she's screwed up start the next phase of you know her progression and when you talk about there's nobody here who can help her josh it just makes me think um one of the things i really really want to see next season you said wishless ricky i guess i'm going to try again here um now that they're in alexandria and theoretically they have a little bit more leisure time and a little bit more safety and security i really feel like i need to see people reading books like i need to see eugene reading a book on construction and how to to you know fortify a wall because mm -hmm. he's really smart and they need an architect they need so why not get some go to a library around there there's got to be one so, to and be get fair, a bunch of books about ptsd and coping with it or about agriculture or about like and try to actually learn some stuff instead of just hoping they stumble across another architect sorry to be fair they've shown plenty of scenes over five seasons in which someone a character picks up a book relating to something that's an issue within the the group like be it um, what's her face discovering a book at the women's shelter and or Eugene Carol. reading a uh, Carol or Eugene reading his, what was it like a, his 1984 sci-fi book. I don't know what he was reading, but there's been, there's been plenty of scenes throughout the five seasons. I mean, we're not going to actually see all of their downtime. You know, it's important. It's important for them to sort of give us little glimpses of them singing, listening to music, reading books. They've done it. They've at least done it. But I don't, I mean, not for leisure. I don't mean for fun or 1984 because it's a good book or yeah. this book because I have a personal connection to my history of abuse you know, from Carol's standpoint. But as a this is a thing I should know, I, it'll help out the group rather than like instead of going on another supply run, I'm going to stay here and bone up on like the the best way to fletch new arrows. Like, why isn't Daryl yeah. learning how to fletch arrows? That kind we, of thing. We had it two two or three weeks ago before um, before Noah died. I mean, he sat down with Reg and he was going to teach him how to. How to uh, be an architect. So I think we might get it. Um, yeah, that's I, that's all I'm hoping for. Just this notion that there are other things they can do to help out the community and to survive than go on runs and kill walkers. I, I just have to quickly say something before I forget. Um, so we, we discussed uh, Sasha and how when she lies down with the zombies, she, she basically feels at peace. And and then uh, what did you I wish I could just remember what you just said so I can quote you. But uh daryl has a very similar scene in which he's sitting in the car with Aaron, and they're surrounded by walkers like hundreds of walkers and he says i feel more comfortable here in the car with these walkers surrounding us and i think that's the key to these people surviving and it's about just accepting the world again it's going it's, it goes back to what i said about 20 minutes ago it's about them accepting that this is not the same world that they lived in and that's what i really love about carl and i i mean apart from the fact that i think chandler riggs has really grown as an actor and his character has grown over the years and we have watched him grow up in front of our eyes um his character what's so interesting about his character is he seems to be the only person well him and the teenage girl enid they seem to be the two people in this show who have come to fully accept that this is the world they live in, you know, without looking back. And that's what makes his character so interesting. I agree with that, actually. I've actually really, I've liked Carl more this season than I have the entire show and really the entire comic. Um, the, the, the places they went with the character in the show and the development they gave him. And really, like you said, both as 
both as a character and as an as and as a young adult living in this world like i like one of the points with the most emotional resonance for me the entire season was seeing carl just hang out with those other kids um and and where he was originally hesitant and then he said you know what maybe i'm gonna keep myself on guard and i'm gonna go over the fence and chase after like the weird girl um but I, I really feel the development they did with Carl this season is, is really important, really profound, and and it kind of leads me to my one big bucket list wish for the show. And it, it may be controversial, but I really want them to kill Rick. Yes, we've been saying it every single week for five years. Thank you. Finally, we get a guest who wants them to kill Rick Rhymes. I have wanted them to kill Rick Grimes since about season four and for about the last 50 issues in the comic. I wanted them to kill Rick Grimes when Shane died. I do not co-sign that. I was really tired of Shane. I was glad when he died. Um, but yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like when you look at this episode, the part of the episode that is the least interesting to me and was the least interesting last week also was this Rick beat so like i'm i'm interested in michonne i'm interested in carol i'm interested in daryl i'm interested in rick as a focal point of those characters but as himself he just because and again we've talked about this ad nauseum so i can just quickly say this and i'll be done with rick uh for this episode but um it's that ping-ponging back and forth thing where he doesn't seem to find equilibrium where they are consistent about his inconsistency and um yeah if i felt like they were gonna have him stabilize for a while, if or if they could do that without the show becoming uh, suffering for it, I guess I should say, um, that's what I would hope for. But I don't know that they've necessarily done a good job in the previous times where they've tried to stabilize him out either. I don't know if they're if they're able to do that or they trust that they're able to do that. Oh man, when we had his rousing speech once again at the end of this episode, I was like, Fireside. Michonne, <laughs> Michonne, punch him out again. Please, where's Michonne? Punch him out. Like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing his speeches, even if he's right sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm just so sick and tired of Rick Grimes' character. And I do like Andrew Lincoln. I don't think it's his fault. At times, his character can be really interesting and entertaining to watch. But I think as a whole, has the lead character of this TV show. I just don't understand why he's not as interesting as Carol, Sam, Rick Grimes, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there is a problem there. Um, I I'm going to say one negative thing also. I wasn't too hot on Gabriel. I'm also not too hot on the Nicholas Glenn storyline. If only because uh, Nicholas comes across as such a coward, a the kind of guy who can't survive outside of the walls, especially by himself, especially if he's armed with, with only like one gun and two bullets, especially in the middle of the night with no lights and tons of walkers surrounding him. Why would he go out and do something so stupid, like try to kill Glenn when he wasn't technically in any danger of even being exiled? Like no one was calling Nicholas into some town meeting. It was Rick Grimes they were thinking of exiling, not Nicholas. Like, why would he go? It's like it's one of those things where the show writers force in this action to try to build a character. In this case, the character is Glenn. And that was the one aspect of this season finale that I, I thought was, and I say this quite often on the podcast, was forced. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. Though that part and the part with Gabriel out on the road, I feel like are the two parts of this that fit extraordinarily badly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know that six walkers fell on Glenn and then we cut? And so as soon as they cut, I was like, okay, he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's the thing about the show. If you don't see somebody, it's kind of like the reverse of, of what you normally see. Like if you don't see someone go down, they're probably alive. Hmm. Well, and uh, yeah, with, with this, he does, he does it because the writer's, not the plot requires it, but the thematic parallel requires it. Um, and and I would be okay with him doing this uh, if he like knew Glenn was going to be out there or something, but he doesn't. Um, or if uh, if he got him, he got his dumbass killed by Walkers because he was out in the darkness and he's already proven himself incompetent. Um, then I'd be okay with it, you know. But just to, I mean, I like those scenes and I like watching Glenn make that choice and really struggle with that choice. And it, for once, they let hope win. It's something we've been talking about all season, Josh. They just keep killing all the hopeful characters. So, you know, uh, next up is going to be Morgan. Um, and so <laughs> I don't, uh, I, I like that they let him remain, they let Glenn remain himself in that moment. But I would have been totally okay if, uh, if after he makes that choice, something happens and. He ends up, you know, getting eaten. I've been totally fine with that. I I agree, and I also just don't see what the scenes with Nicholas and Glenn did that the scene that that final scene at the fire didn't also do. Like if if the point was to show the Alexandrians giving up on everything they held dear, they already did that, and they did it better at at the town meeting. Well, and if the point is to show one of Rick's group choosing to not kill someone who has antagonized them and has uh, endangered them, then they did that with the Sasha and Gabriel scene. Right, exactly. And, and, um, and I gotta say, like, the whole, the, that whole meeting, it was so weird. Like, why are you gonna call a town meeting and only show the people you don't trust talking? Like, did you see <laughs> anyone that actually lived there a week before... <laughs> Talk I, except for Jesse. Yeah, I think that's just a matter of them choosing to show those people to us as viewers. But I'm sure the people in the town in that world actually did have a say in the conversation. Yeah, you know because I mean? the, the writers haven't made sure we know them, and so they didn't show it. But yeah, and we can assume, of course, that everybody had their say in all of that. But it also just goes back to underline that we know very few of the characters by name, um, and we know even fewer of them as individuals. The only one I, again, the only one I feel like we really have a true sense of her character, her, you know, personality and what drives her is Deanna. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we have any final thoughts on other parts of the episode that we haven't touched on? We haven't really talked about Morgan. I was just going to say the most satisfying surprise of this episode was to see it open with Morgan. Cause we were pretty sure Morgan was coming back, but that cold open was amazing because here we have a Morgan that's completely different than the Morgan we saw in the episode Clear. Like, in this episode, he seems at peace with himself and the world and his surroundings. He's completely different. Clearly, something happened to him in between Clear in this episode. I'm assuming they're going to find ways to inform us as viewers as to what happened to him, maybe possibly with flashbacks. Maybe it's going to be some kind of, like, dialogue exchange with him and, say, Carol. Who knows? But that opening scene, when he takes out the two members of the wolves with just the use of a stick, I mean, first of all, it was so well choreographed. From my understanding, my friend told me that the fight choreographer is the same guy who worked on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I think played Donatello, which totally makes sense. Is it Donatello or Leonardo with the with the staff? 
the bow staff, uh, Donatello. Donatello, Donatello yeah. right. Yeah, so it's Donatello. Uh, so that was just, once again, The Walking Dead showing that they know how to do action, be it uh, hand-to-hand combat or driving a tank through a wall. You know, so that was amazing. And I also just, like, again, I have to go back to the dialogue, like, when the creepy guy with the W on his forehead, the member of the wolf pack, is talking. Like, that whole scene reminded me of, like, the movie Dead Man in some kind of weird way. Um, he, was, he referenced, like, Native Americans and wolves and why the um, they would kill wolves. I don't know what the hell he was talking about, but it was still a cool scene. I mean, this guy's clearly crazy as shit, so I'm, I'm going to be okay with sitting down, listening to him talk crazy. I I disagree. I disagree with you. I actually really didn't like the cold open. I mean, obviously, I like Lenny James being a badass with a bow staff. And, like, I, I don't know if you guys saw Talking Dead at all, but he, he actually did that whole scene himself, and he trained for a month to, to get that good um, with, with, with Donatello. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think the member of the Wolfpack reminded me a little bit too much of the termites. Like, I'm, I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm going to tell you how things are going to be, and then I'm going to kill you. Um, just because this guy didn't want to eat Morgan, it, it felt it felt a little bit too repetitive. And in the back of my head, I was like, "This again?" Um, just because this guy, you know, his 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 hipster fashion sense wasn't totally on the dot. Um, it, it, personality wise, it felt a little bit too much. Like um, I don't even remember the the leader of of the termites, um, but it, it felt a little bit too much like that. And I said, "I'm I'm tired of of sadistic know it alls on this show." Like, like they did that. They did it well. Just, just let it go. So that's that's probably the part that I'm looking forward to least about next season. Although it is kind of cool that they weaponized walkers. So I'm I'm curious to see more of that, but kind of less of their personality because I I don't think there's much there. Well, the booby trap was amazing. Yeah. Like like when I first watched like when we first when we get the very first scene and Daryl opens up the semi truck or is it Aaron. And all of a sudden, the walkers come storming out. Like, I anticipated some sort of danger. And then I was like, wait a minute. How did someone get all of these walkers into the semi-truck and then close the door? And then afterwards, at the end of the episode, we actually get an explanation, which I thought was really cool. But again, I didn't see the stinger until the next day. I was totally confused because, like, like, again, my PVR stopped recording it. But, yeah, so later on, I went back and I rewatched the episode. And then uh, I actually got to see the stinger. And it kind of made sense. Yeah, the it is a very Gareth feel in that. That's the the guy, the termite. Yeah, uh, Gareth, termite. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or even um, he's always JP from Tremaine but the the guy who Tyrese <laughs> didn't kill, um, that guy, uh, it, it it feels very him as well. Um, but I the Lenny James of it all really did help. And when you talk about scoring, Ricky, I loved the very light, simple piano score that we got as as uh. As Morgan wakes up at the beginning, that I like, I rewound thirty seconds to listen to that again. Um, it was a really nice, very subtle. Not everything is scoring wise has been as subtle this season, but that was an, a really nice moment. And uh, yeah, the way that that comes back, he comes back a couple times throughout the episode, and then at the end, of course, does really work. But um, should you know now that we see when and how they're going to bring Morgan back. I don't think we needed to see the teases or the stingers of him at the various points, like in the season premiere, season five premiere. Really? You tease him then? I don't like I did not need to see him before that opening scene. Imagine the surprise if we didn't no. all know he had to be in this episode. 
No, because you know what would happen, Kate? In a parallel universe right now, we would, we would be recording a Walking Dead podcast, and you would say that's a little too convenient, that Morgan all of a sudden shows up when we haven't seen him in three seasons, saves Daryl and Aaron, and then shows up at the very end to see Rick Grimes shoot Pete in the face. It's already too convenient, and I know life is made out of like these little coincidences, like it happens to every single person on, on a daily basis, but I mean, for him to show up right at the moment that he pulls the trigger, I mean, that would have been worse for me personally i like the fact that they tease us with morgan and i mean morgan is a very popular character for whatever reason and just teasing us as viewers knowing that he was coming was something that we were anticipating and uh i yeah i can't agree with that and they needed to tease him more frequently then or they needed to to not tease him until the second half because they teased him months before he came back it just felt like they're like, okay, I know that you're not really happy with some of the stuff that's been going on, or you're not happy with how we killed Beth, but hey, don't forget, there's Morgan. We're not yeah, going to actually but... let you see. No, I, they should have. If they're going to do that, then okay, that's it's a fair point, Ricky. But there's no reason they couldn't have had that be a teaser for the first time in the, this half of the season, or like when they introduce Alexandria, they introduce a couple little moments like that at the end of episodes. But they specifically chose to tease them when the group reached a certain destination and their crossroad it's not like they teased them at weird random moments it's like when they arrive at the church a new location when they're on the road because morgan is always trailing behind them and so i i like the way they tease them i don't have a problem with it what do you think josh i like the way they teased him i think that it would have been better if they had just teased him this season I actually feel like they brought him in a little bit too early. I feel like if the stinger at the end of this episode was Morgan coming up to the gates of Alexandria alone, I think that would have been better. I felt like they kind of jumped the gun and having and bringing him in and having him interact at the point that they did. I think they could have either brought him in earlier or later. I think the timing that they brought him in with everything else that was going on really kind of it, it, it was almost underwhelming, and I almost didn't even want to pay attention to him as cool and badass as he was. He was just so not relevant to, to the things that I cared about at the time. And and I feel like I, 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 we've talked a lot this episode about about missed timing, and I think and I think this is one of those as well. Okay, how about this? How about how about Morgan shows up in this specific episode for the very reason that Rick just goes over the top, crosses line, shoots Pete, taking over to town. He's like the new governor per se. Morgan comes into the town, and by the end of season six, Rick Grimes is shot in the head. His character's gone. Morgan's the new leader of the group. That would be amazing. Wishful thinking. Um, Kate, you haven't read the comic book. Uh, what do you think of the wolves? Do you think there's just two wolves, maybe more than two guys? Um, is it like a gang? Are these the two people who are exiled from Alexandria? Is it somebody completely different? There, there's way too many W's for it to just be those two guys. Way too many. Um, so, yeah, this, um, I don't know if they're related to the people who are exiled from Alexandria. Um, just from people talking on Twitter, I feel like I have a sense of some of the stuff that happens in the comic books but you know it's probably hugely inaccurate so i'm don't not too worried about accidentally spoiling people because i don't know anything concretely concretely um what i would say is that um i think it seems like they're setting up someone to be a longer term antagonist for alexandria especially because they don't seem to be directly they seem to be in the same vicinity and they're 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 uh where they're coming from they're like 
thesis statement, I guess, of the wolves is so antithetical to uh, what's going on in Alexandria, either with the Alexandrians or with Rick's group and how they are planning to like transition or shift the tone at Alexandria that that's going to inevitably lead to a conflict. Um, But yeah, the, I I would say that right now, at least it seems like it's a larger group. I feel like it's more similar to the, the um, can't remember the actor's name and I feel like a bad TV geek. Uh, The, the group that Dale fell in with briefly. Yeah. The bad rapey people. And we had Carl with his pudding, you know, that group. Yeah. Um, around that chunk of the, it feel they feel more like that um, to me right now. But uh, who knows what, what's going to happen and whether or not the Alex, uh, the Alexandrian exiles are you know with that group or not. It does seem like there's a lot of W kind of bodies around for them to not be um, for for that to be an accident that they keep finding them right so close to Alexandria. But I yeah. I like that there isn't an outright attack or direct, you know, motion in towards that in this finale, um, if they weren't going to be able to lead it up, lead up to it more. Well, I, I think if they were the two people who are exiled from Alexandria, they would have already taken revenge because they clearly know how to set booby traps and kill several people and trap like hundreds of zombies inside a semi semi truck. Right. Um, my second question for you is Daryl and Aaron, are they the new Brienne and Jamie for television? Uh, well, it, I, watching this episode, I was very much struck by uh, how did Aaron deal with these idiots? <laughs> like, especially going on runs with a- uh, Aiden and Nicholas. But I would, it does actually, um, it, it made me think of the way that when you, you you have different friends in your life and each friend that you hang out with, you're a slightly different person with them because they bring out different attributes in you. So I imagine when Aiden and Nicholas were with Aaron, he's such a leader and so competent that he made Aaron made Aiden better. And Aiden being, you know, more like Aaron helped counterbalance Nicholas is his slimeballness. Um, yeah, I think they're a really good duo. Um, and I would expect to see more fun adventures with them in the next season. Um, I don't expect, Aaron to get killed off anytime soon, just because I think we need to actually know and like one of the Alexandrians. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that they're the, the odd buddy, you know, pairing of Brienne and Jamie or, you know, uh, uh, Arya and anyone, but um, I do think that they make a good, a good duo. Does anyone else think that when Carol says these people are children and children like stories that that was sort of like, a meta comment on the part of the writers towards like the walking dead audience, considering that they called the spinoff show fear the walking dead. That's all I have left to say. <laughs> nice bringing full, it full, full circle. circle. The fear of the walking dead. So mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's, I don't want to get back into fear the walking dead. So instead, how about this, Josh, any final thoughts on this episode or this season? I, I'm excited to see where they're going. I feel like the wolves are are sort of a red herring. I feel like they're going to end up being less significant than they want us to think they are. Ricky, I think I think the characters you think they are are going to end up being different characters of uh, just pulling just pulling from from the comic but not spoiling. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I'm excited because I feel like next season is is when when we're going to get a lot of that characterization for the Alexandrians despite the fact that the cast 
on the show right now is about six times as big as the cast on the comic was at this point. Um, I'm excited to learn more about those characters and I'd kind of see their transformation now that, now that you're right, now that the group is, is really taking charge, um, not only, you know, physically, but also, also mentally. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see more people more real people. I, I, yeah. But but the thing that I'm most excited for is I'm excited for the walkers to be scary again. Um, it's kind of gotten to the point where the walkers, like they've kind of conquered them. Like they, it's, it's not, they, they aren't so much a threat anymore. And, and I want to see the writers kind of go to, back to the point that like, you know, as powerful and as strong and as resilient as, as Rick's group has become, they're still in a world full of monsters that will eat them. And, and I kind of want, I kind of want the show to kind of, bring some of those ideas back. That's one of the troubles uh, with a show like this. Uh, we started out all, and all our characters were, you know, level one civilians <laughs> with Rick being, I don't know, level three cop or something. And now they've all leveled up so much that these walkers are, you know, like, like when you're playing D and D you have a one, if you're a level one character, you have a one for a shot of getting a house uh, killed by a house cat. Um, and at a certain point, it's just, you know, you're never going to lose to an orc. Um, and that's sort of where, I feel like the show's at now with these walkers. I don't know if there's a way for them to make the walkers threatening that doesn't nerf the characters. But I want them to figure that out. Cause I, yeah, I, it, I it would be can. good if they did. Yeah. Either um, that or just bring in more compelling antagonists. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the W on the foreheads of the walkers and without giving anything away, because a lot of people haven't read the comic book, I brought up, four different possibilities, uh, one of which was the wolves, one of which it stood for Morgan. And I, I also mentioned the fact that they're most likely going to bring in one of the big baddies, like in my opinion, the baddie, the villain, sooner than later, which is a possibility because they don't necessarily have to do everything in chronological order. They can take specific things from the comic book and bring them in later on. Um, but I did read an article recently where they were talking to Scott M. Gimple and he said that uh, season six would be a lot more action-packed, a lot more tense, a lot crazier. But he also said that they were going to focus on the walkers again. Mm. That that sounds about right. And and I think we're a season away from the baddie that you're talking about, if not a season and a half. I, I'm hoping for a season. Um, I don't think they can afford to go a season and a half. We'll see. But yeah, definitely, definitely the walkers have to come back into the spotlight. Do you have any final thoughts, Ricky, for, for this season or this episode? Uh, well, I was just going to mention that last year during our podcast, during while we were reviewing season four, I was talking about this zombie film, which I saw, in which two guys get stuck in a car and the zombies surround the car and are basically stuck in the car for hours and hours. And they just decide to sit there, smoke, drink and talk. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if The Walking Dead did this? And well, we, we got are. that Beth and Daryl, right? Sorry? We got that scene with Beth and Daryl in the trunk of the car. No, but this was specifically in a car just kind of like hanging out and deciding how they would find a way to get out while these zombies surround them, not just being in the trunk of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it happened here. Um, wish list. All right. My wish list for next season. Um I think they need to kill off a major character right away at the start of the season. Um, And uh, I think it's time for Glenn to go. 
I think Glenn should have died in this episode, and he didn't. But I think he's got to go. I've been saying this forever. Glenn's got to go. I don't know what else they can do with Glenn. I look forward to them coming up with something to do with Glenn. No, no, I mean, you know, given the fact, yeah, given the fact that this is The Walking Dead, it's not a big surprise that anybody can die. But I'm just saying, if I had to choose between all these characters, like I know a lot of people will say Gabriel and Sasha and whatever. I'm just saying, uh, Glenn, like, um, yeah. But in a good way, not in the way like in which they killed Beth, which was like a total, total frustrating and just insulting and just got me so pissed off way of killing off this great character. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think they need to kill off like four major characters. The cast is way too big. <laughs> which uh, which would be interesting. I mean, they've never actually killed off like, say, for example, four people at the exact same time. Like, I don't know, a car blows up or something, right? I mean, what's his face? Aiden was well he didn't die because of the grenade but I mean that grenade if it had gone off and there was enough people surrounding them they could have easily killed off like four people in that one scene right I don't think they we've could ever also seen more have than people leave just yeah. saying they don't all have to die we've talked about this in the past that they could just actually have we we've, we've talked about this for like way back in season two like why can't just the character just get up and leave <laughs> like maybe we'll see them in six years maybe not That'll be interesting. It'll always be in the back of our minds. Like, what if, like, every time there's like this big action tent scene, it'll be like, like, imagine if like Carol left. We'd be like, oh my god, Carol's gonna come back. Oh, she didn't come back. Six seasons later, oh my god, Carol's gonna come back. Finally, she comes back, and the whole freaking internet blows up. You know? Anyone remember the whole Spanish family that they parted with oh, god. in Atlanta? Yeah. I try not to. <laughs> They're out there, maybe. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, on on that note of who's out there, I'd like to to hear from our listeners of what they are hoping for in season six and maybe what characters they'd like to see return those one off characters or maybe which characters they'd be okay if they if they went off for their own second spinoff. There's one thing I'm waiting for, which I still haven't given. They've given me the tank. They've given me the dog. They've given me like the grenade launcher. I still want to see some sort of like theme park, like an amusement park with a with like a roller coaster and uh we Ferris still need Wheel. our zombie santa uh well that's your wish list uh, no that was I, yours no what i i didn't want a zombie santa i wanted i wanted a zombie in some kind of okay maybe a santa claus suit but yeah in some kind of like suit so say the zombie apocalypse happened in like the month of october i don't know what month it started sort of had to be like someone dressed in like some kind of like halloween costume somewhere in some like halloween shop and I thought it'd be really cool because, I mean, we see people walking around in like uniforms, like police uniforms and military uniforms, whatnot. But it really cool. It'd be, it would be really cool to see someone walk around in some kind of odd costume, like a Santa Claus costume, something. I do think that we it would be great to see some kind of holiday themed episode, especially now that they are in a safe haven like Alexandria, be it Christmas, Halloween, Easter, Thanksgiving, who knows. Uh, but it would be amazing if they stumbled uh, upon like an amusement park and maybe there's no electricity, but there's so many things that they can do with a Ferris wheel and a roller coaster and, um, you know, so on and so forth. So I thought that would be really cool. Cotton candy, Mm. cotton candy zombies. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, I think that's a good place to leave us. So we're going to say, uh, goodbye at this point. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Um, uh, Ricky, anything going on at Sound on Sight that we should mention? Besides, of course, you know, after a much-needed week off, we're going to be back with the Game of Thrones podcast. Can't wait. In, like, what, two, three weeks? Two. We get one week off. Two weeks. I cannot wait. Um, Yeah, there's the Game of Thrones podcast, the Hannibal podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast, which is amazing. We don't host it, but it's awesome. 
Um, there's the Under the Hood Banshee podcast. There's tons of podcasts over at soundsite.org. Uh, the month of April is going to be a very important month for us uh, because we applied to a few Canadian grants. So we're really going to be focusing on Canadian cinema, Canadian TV shows. And I know a lot of people might roll their eyes, but trust me, listeners, there's tons, tons of great Canadian movies and TV shows, especially genre uh movies like tons of great genre films from canada so we're going to be doing a whole month-long spotlight on canadian cinema and television and uh, we got our fingers crossed that we can actually get this grant that's about it oh yeah and you can follow me on twitter sound on site join us on facebook of course on tumblr and uh thank you to our listeners Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at the Televerse. The Televerse is the weekly TV podcast covering, you know, everything else <laughs> that we don't have a special podcast for um, over at Sound on Site with my co-host Simon Howell. You can uh, email myself and uh, and I can send it on to Ricky, of course, the Televerse at gmail.com. And yeah, I look forward to, to talking with you guys about, you know, this season of The Walking Dead or next season of, of Game of Thrones once that podcast starts up or, you know, really anything else. So yeah, drop drop me a line. And let me know. Let me know what your favorite Canadian TV show is, because I've got a few that I'm looking forward to, to seeing some people write up, but I'd like to hear what the listeners uh, have to say. Um, and again, thank you. Like Ricky said, thank you so much for listening. We wouldn't do this podcast if you didn't listen to it. So, so thank you guys so much for that. And we'll be back next season with another episode of the sound of walking dead podcast. What the hell are you doing? You need to check on Tara. You treated her. You're a surgeon. You need to do that. Get out. I could kill you right now. I could. I will. And then... Who would believe I did it because I didn't like you? No one. They believe you tried to hurt me. Definitely believe that. I was sitting in a crummy.